Welcome to the Better Together podcast brought to you by the Emergency Services Foundation. This is a podcast dedicated to supporting and improving the mental health and wellbeing of the many people, paid and volunteer, who serve our community in emergency management roles. My name is Susan McKenzie, CEO at the Emergency Services Foundation. And I'm Rachel Treby, Manager of the Mental Health and Wellbeing Team at Victoria State Emergency Service. So I've asked Rachel to join us today because I think this topic is going to be of great interest to Rachel in terms of um, volunteers, uh, because obviously SES has a huge number of volunteers. So thanks for joining us, Rachel. Lovely to join you. And today we're speaking with Amanda Taylor from the University of Adelaide, who has done some interesting work on the mental health of young emergency service volunteers. This is important, of course, because the vast majority of volunteers in the sector are older, much older generally, over 55 years. And for the sector, which is so reliant on volunteers, to be sustainable, we obviously need to understand how to attract and, more importantly, retain uh, younger people as volunteers going forward. So thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks very much for having me. Delighted to be here. We're all whinging about the cold, so it doesn't matter what part of the country we are in today, it's cold. Really okay. fine, yep. Let's start by defining young. In your research, how is young defined? Yeah, sure. Actually, I'll just start by acknowledging that I'm joining from Ghana land and want to um, pay my respects to um, the Ghana people, the traditional custodians of the land here, and acknowledge the pe- the traditional custodians of the land over which all the work we did was was um, uh, conducted. Um, so in terms of how young was defined in our work, we were focused on young adults, um, which was defined as um, between 16 and 25 years old. So um, typically, during this age is the, the kind of age that the volunteers were starting to be involved in operations and attending incidents. And so we thought that was important. Okay, okay very good. So how did the project come to be exactly? What got you interested in the mental health of young volunteers? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually, um, as well as being a, a researcher and lecturer, I'm, I'm a clinical psychologist by trade. Um, and my clinical work has over many years is focused on supporting mental health and well-being in young people um, with a particular interest in support for the impacts of trauma with young people. So that kind of is where my interest certainly came from. But I also grew up in the country, so in the southern Barossa Valley region. Um, and as part of that, I've always had, um, you know, been very aware of the how important um, you know emergency fire and emergency service um, agencies support is for the community um, and so it, this opportunity came up through the bushfire natural hazards cooperative research center and uh, Australasian fire and Emer- sorry, Australasian Fire and Emergency Services Authorities Council put up this opportunity to do work to um, understand and support young volunteer mental health. Um, And my colleague, uh, Associate Professor Rachel Roberts, noticed the opportunity. Um, She's also a clean psych um, and also a um, senior firefighter with the Country Fire Service here in SA. Um, And we thought this was a really great opportunity to work together to kind of draw, bring our interests together on supporting young people and um, emergency service um, 
kind of knowledge and support um, to, to work together on this, um, this project and then had the opportunity to bring together a much larger team with a range of expertise, which was wonderful. Um, thanks, Amanda. So you talked about obviously your colleagues and a, and a broader team. Are you able to talk about um, who was involved um, in that project team? Yes, absolutely. Um, we were, along with myself and Rachel, we were lucky enough to put together a team of really experienced researchers and clinicians, um, which included um, Professor David Lawrence, who I understand has participated in a previous episode of this and was involved in um, uh, running the, uh, answering the call um, national project on mental health and wellbeing um, in emergency responders. And currently after the fires, which is um, another national project looking at, at um, mental health and wellbeing, as well as his colleague, Waveney Rickers, um, who's also worked on these projects as well. Um, one of the senior people involved in the project was Associate Professor Miranda Van Hoof from Military and Emergency Services Health Australia. Lots of experience um, from her perspective. She did a lot of work with um, Professor Sandy McFarlane, who was the first person to do um, the um, work on impacts of the Ash Wednesday bush, bushfires on mental health. And Sandy was actually providing lots of senior level oversight on the project for us as well. Um, we also had Professor Sharon Lawn and Dr Louise Roberts from Flinders Uni, who are really experienced in qualitative research in this space. Um, Associate Professor Maureen Ash from University of British Columbia in Canada, who's really experienced with research translation and implementation. Um, and Professor Paul Del Fabro um, from University of Adelaide, um, who also, again, very experienced. And then working with us um, on the project in kind of the day-to-day -day operations, we had Dr. Jane Cox, who previously worked with Professor McFarlane and Associate Professor Van Hoof on some of the Ash Wednesday follow-up work. Um, and we also had Holly Caruso, who was as a research assistant, who worked with us on the online survey. So many people involved, which was really wonderful for, for me to have um, all of that guidance and support from these experienced um, practitioners. A, a large list of very uh, experienced um, people as part of the team. So I'm yes. interested in hearing more. Um, are you able to detail, um, Amanda, what the main aims of the research project were for this particular project? Absolutely. Um, actually, the project came about from a request from fire and emergency service agencies themselves. So through the mental health and wellbeing um, uh, advisory groups and volunteer technical management groups um, within AFAC, um, were, they were requesting, um, I think, particularly after the Black Summer bushfires, identifying how important young people were for the service and, and recognising that there wasn't really a lot of data-driven, evidence-based, um, you know, understanding of what was going on in terms of mental health and support needs, as well as, you know, not a lot of resources around to help them support their young people. So um, the, the aims were linked to those kind of identified needs from the agencies themselves. So wanting to develop an understanding of what the specific mental health kind of status, what was going on in terms of mental health, as well as support needs for these young people and to develop data-driven resources that were particularly targeted um, with young people um, to support their mental health, which were also co-designed with the young volunteers themselves. Yeah, fantastic. So what did you do as part of the project to achieve those project aims? Uh, so we did quite a lot. <laughs> it was a, a, quite a busy couple of years. Um, 
the project ran over a series of stages. So what we did first was we were, um, wanted to get a sense of what had been done previously in terms of understanding mental health for these four young people, particularly young fire and emergency service volunteers. Um, so we did a, a review of published literature to see what had been published in this space around the world. We found not that much and none, none that had been published in Australia or New Zealand. Um, what we did then do is we also were able to look at some data sets from previous studies. So uh, answering the call as well as the Metropolitan Fire Service Mental Health and Wellbeing Study um, and portioned out data from young people in particular to look at back in 2016, 2017 from those surveys, um, what, where things were at then in terms of mental health for young people. Then uh, we did our own survey. So in late 2020, we ran our own national survey um, looking quantitatively at mental health and support needs. Um, and following that, we did some qualitative work. So we spoke to young volunteers themselves in focus groups, um, getting a sense from their perspectives, um, you know, what they thought particular mental health needs of young volunteers were, what supports were available and what barriers and facilitators there were to engaging in those supports. Um, and we also spoke to representatives from fire and emergency service agencies themselves. So people who were both in kind of more on the ground leadership roles. So like unit leaders, brigade captains, that kind of on the ground level, as well as people who had more higher level oversight. So um, people in agencies who were kind of responsible for rolling out and managing mental health and wellbeing programs to get their perspective on what agencies were doing, what needs there were, um, that kind of thing from those kind of different perspectives. So now, to the nitty gritty, <laughs> what did you actually find out? So you, you did both qualitative and quantitative work. Mm. What did you actually find out? Well, I mean, firstly, we found that young volunteers are incredibly committed to their roles. Um, they, you know, almost three quarters were attending call outs more than 30 times in the previous 12 months. Um, you know, we know this, I'm sure this is not surprising to you or to your audience that they're also exposed to some pretty tough things. So, for example, in the 2019-2020 Black Summer bushfires with around three quarters were performing an active role throughout those um, fires and 85% of those were involved in actively fighting the fires. Um, we also know that um, the mental health, mental health impacts associated with the role don't necessarily only come from these large scale incidents, but also, um, you know, some of the the day-to-day -day things like attending, you know, our, our young people spoke about attending things like serious car accidents or search and rescues, including water-based searches, and that those kind of things were, um, you know, impactful to their mental health as well. Did um, any of them, sorry to interrupt, did yeah, any of them talk about you know, their very first turnout being something horrendously traumatic. A lot of them did talk about the impacts of their their first, the first time they attended something really difficult, like, you know, their first car, car accident where there was, you know, significant injury um, and, you know, that they they talk about, you know, rem always remembering that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it highlights, you know, the importance of, and I think this is recognised in agencies, the importance of support for that first 
first call out in particular where yeah but also you know that you know understanding that there's you know that cumulative impact of it's not just you know that one time that someone's going to be called out to attend these things and also the challenges of you know people in more kind of rural or remote locations where there isn't as much capacity for flexibility of role or you know reduction in number of call outs and the increased likelihood that you'll be called out to some where you know the person involved in in the the incident you know being particularly impactful as well so did I cut you off there when you were telling us about the key things you found out is there anything else uh, <laughs> I I could talk forever about what we found honestly um you know, we, well, you, I mean, we, you had to say, you know, what were the top three things you found from the read? Top three things. Well, I mean, certainly we found that, um, you know, young volunteers did experience impacts on their mental health. Their mental health perhaps, you know, um, wasn't the, the, the psychological distress and things like that weren't, you know, so much higher than, um, you know, similar age peers that weren't engaged in a young volunteer role they weren't you know hugely higher um, necessarily but also certainly you know some of the things that we think should be um, protective of um, mental health like through engaging in a volunteer role like that sense of belongingness and connectedness and sense of purpose not suggesting that it doesn't seem to be that the that their mental health is protected through those means and we also know that you know because young you know volunteer fire and emergency service volunteer and personnel are likely to be exposed to more traumatic events you know it, it suggests that there's you know that really important need um, for that kind of ongoing monitoring and support um, and in terms of some of the kind of key things from the qualitative work in particular, we found, you know, a lot took a lot of meaning from that, um, really provided the context, you know, um, to some of those quantitative findings. Um, something that, you know, we really noticed as important was for firstly that, you know, the, the young volunteers hugely committed to their role, you know, very committed to supporting others, you know, less you know aware of and and wanting to necessarily provide that same level of care for themselves which I think is you know often the case um, for people in, involved in these roles um, but also that um, young volunteers perceived that they were much more comfortable and able to talk about mental health related stuff than they thought older volunteers were um, and that they were really keen for things like mental health related skills to be considered as important as some of the more technical skills in terms of the sustainability of, of the their volunteer role. Yeah, very, very good. Um, what about, I suppose the age range you said that this question may or may not apply, mm. but do you think the findings could be applied to paid young workers as well as volunteers? Well, I mean, in terms of the specific, you know, research that we did, like the survey, for example, the focus was on the volunteers themselves. Um, but the, so the findings and associated resources are really data driven for that cohort. But I mean, I will note that there was a, a number of young, young volunteers who we spoke to who were also employed in paid roles with agencies. So certainly some of these findings may apply to them. Um, but my understanding is that there are some resources and services available to personnel, paid personnel that aren't necessarily always as available to, to the volunteers. So always extrapolating those findings should yeah should probably be done with caution mm. I should have asked this question but two things came out when you were speaking then 
where did the participants come from? You know, state-wise, not agency-wise, but state-wise. Yeah, all around Australia, um, actually. Mostly, I mean, the the kind of majority of our sample, I think about 60% was from New South Wales and Victoria, Um, but from, yeah, every state and territory in Australia. um, That's fine. And my next question that came out from what you were saying was, did you collect any data to show if these volunteers actually had a a family uh, connection to volunteering so that, you know, their, their mother or their father or their sister or someone was involved? We, d- we didn't in our quantitative survey, didn't specifically have that, but certainly that came up in our qualitative work that a number of um, the volunteers yeah, um, you know, kind of got involved in volunteering through connections, either be that family or, a, you know, a, you know, family friend or, you know, that kind of thing where they knew a bit about the role before they came into the their, their volunteer role. Very important for recruitment to build on that sort of knowledge. So um, am I right in thinking that a focus of the research was on mitigating risk in terms of exposure to trauma. Did you also focus on the more organisational-based risks affecting young people, such as poor leadership practices, lack of recognition, high job demands, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing? Yeah, all really important things, absolutely. Um, Look, a main focus of our work was on on understanding the impact of potentially traumatising events and the mental health-related skills that can be associated with reducing those impacts. But the impacts of organisational-based risks did also come up. Certainly, um, Professor Lawrence and and, um, Professor Lawrence's work with answering the call and after the fires also talks a bit about this. But in our our work, um, you know, we found that, you know, young volunteers did talk about some of the difficulties associated with reporting and support seeking processes, not being confidential, for example, not always being confidential or not being perceived as confidential. So say, for example, you know, information about mental health related supports or reporting psychosocial hazards, um, you know, being perceived as limited to like a pamphlet available in the training room and people would see if that pamphlet was picked up, um, you know, being a barrier to, you know, kind of accessing that support. So, um, yeah, and also I guess, you know, another thing that came up um, was that, you know, in many agencies there was this consistently broad broad support and high-level commitment to supporting mental health as an identified priority, um, but the extent to which this was actually translated to the on-the-ground culture and support was really dependent on the extent to which those on-the-ground leaders were keen and committed and knowledged around mental health. Um, and so that was kind of seen as, you know, something to, I guess, be considering in the future. Um, yeah. Um, thanks, Amanda. Did you ever find um, that there were differences between older or younger um, people, volunteers, manifesting as tensions within volunteer units or, or, or clubs and associations? I mean, we did certainly find that the young volunteers sometimes sometimes perceived this sense of needing to be kind of strong and tough and and not talk about their experiences. Um, 
and some who are involved within more like representative committees. So say, for example, you know, if they're involved in an organising committee or a youth advisory body, they talked about finding that it was quite useful for them to hold these roles where their experiences and perspectives were, you know, they were valued and that they were around others with similar values and they would, they talked about seeing this as a bit of a contrast to some of their experiences in their own units or groups or brigades where, you know, maybe they didn't feel as heard all the time. Um, yeah, I guess that was kind of one of the main things that came up in terms of, of that idea of tension um, between younger and older. And also that sense of, you know, that young people would feel more comfortable talking about mental health and, and perceive that that, wasn't, that comfort wasn't shared with some of the older people in their organisations. Great, thanks. And I also understand that you've um, developed a, a stack of resources that are available um, to agencies based on the work that, that you've done and, and the team have done. Can you tell us about what they are and how they're available? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, in terms of, we've got a, a, a range of different resources that are available online through the Bushfire Natural Hazards um, website. Um, so in terms of what, what is there, um, we've got some resources for, for young volunteers themselves. So we co-design these resources together with our Young Volunteer Advisory Committee, consisting of young foreign emergency service volunteers from around Australia. Um, we, together we developed an information guide to supporting mental health, which is called the, the Care For Guide. And the reason it's called the Care For Guide is because um, it has the theme of caring for yourself in order to be able to care for other people. And also because there's four main skills um, for mental health support um, covered in that uh, guide. Um, so it includes information and strategies to support mental health, um, particularly targeted at fire and emergency service volunteers. So drawn from um, the findings in our work, um, uh, yeah, particularly our, our survey that we did with the young volunteers and our qualitative work as well. Um, we also worked with a film production company to develop a digital toolkit based on the Care For Guide, which includes um, a video talking with young volunteers about mental health, um, the importance of mental health and support and ideas for supporting mental health, and then some animations based on the mental health skills um, that are in the Care For Guide, which came from our research to be associated with, um, you know, benefits for positive mental health. So things like um, self-compassion and good coping skills, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the resources that we developed for the young volunteers themselves. For agencies, we also developed a wellbeing framework, which was based on our research findings, but also guided by existing practice frameworks like the Beyond Blue Best Practice Framework um, and, and informed by research findings. So um, we have this wellbeing framework and also an implementation guide that provides examples for how the framework can be implemented across different agencies. So, you know, quite often people produce resources like this. Mm. They, they, let's say, look good on paper, mm -hmm. but they're not used. What did you do to make sure that they were, they really met the need? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, I guess, a part of the design from the beginning that, um, you know, that 
the need was identified by agencies themselves and we involved fire and emergency service agencies and young volunteers themselves throughout the project, um, checking in with everyone regularly to, you know, make sure that we're asking the questions that were important to be asked and, um, you know, that we were kind of covering the needs that, um, that, that, that they were agreeing were important. Um, so, we, you know, in the design of the Careful Garden Digital Toolkit, kit, we both talk, you know, worked with the young volunteers throughout um, to make sure that it was useful and practical and they, you know, fed back, you know, things about the design and the things we should include, you know, making sure that it was still based in the evidence but also done in a way that was useful. Um, in terms of the framework, um, so what we did was, you know, we, we based it on the research that we did, but then after we developed the framework, we carried a series out a series of um, assessments with representatives from fire and emergency service agencies around Australia um, and talked them through the framework and got their ideas and perspectives and got a sense of what might be, you know, how useful it might be, what might be some barriers, what might be some ways that, you know, we could add different, you know, kind of, examples into how how these um, ideas could be implemented and through those conversations we developed a the agency we call it our agency implementation guide which contains like actionable strategies that agencies can use um, and that they were really guided by the, the conversations that we had with the agencies themselves um, and the idea is that those are examples not exhaustive but you know kind of some best practice examples that agencies can implement um, themselves or kind of use those as a guide to come up with other strategies that might meet some of those principles so the idea is that it rather than it being you know kind of about general principles or broad frameworks that it's like quite actionable and clear about how how those things can be put in place. Mm -hmm. So what has the feedback been about um, you know the agencies that are using the resources? Um, how many um, are you aware have um, put some of these resources into place within their organisations? We've heard um, that I mean we unfortunately haven't been able to um, do a formal, um, you know, evaluation of, of reach and uptake as yet. But we have, you know, heard from a number of different agencies that they've implemented resources. So, for example, um, run training based on the Care4 guide or um, included the digital toolkit in um, learning management systems. In fact, Rachel, I understand that um, SES in Victoria have, have done that recently. Um, yes, that's underway for us, which is exciting. Yeah, so really wonderful. I mean, at the moment, we are kind of reliant on people contacting us directly to say this is what we are doing. Um, but we're hoping that will change soon. So we're hoping to be able to do some kind of more active work where we, um, you know, work to identify what the what the reach and uptake is. So is, is there anything else that you've learned from doing this project? Oh, I learned a lot throughout this project. Um, the thing that I learned the most was how incredible these young volunteers are. So keen and committed and supportive. Um, so the experiences that I most valued through conducting this project were the opportunities to participate in the Young Volunteer Advisory Committee meetings. So just seeing um, how these young people, you know, made these, um, you know, conversations a safe 
safe space to discuss their experiences, how they responded to each other and ensured that each other were heard. Um, it was really just so delightful to be a part of that and just, you know, the incredible things that they were doing in their agencies and often were involved in kind of multiple representative committees as well. They were just, yeah, such incredible people. So I felt very privileged to be a part of that. Um, and just, I guess, in general, seeing, um, you know, that working with um, people from the um, foreign emergency service agencies, the level of, of commitment and care and passion um, they show for this area and the amount of uh, time and, and work they do, um, you know, supporting our communities is just so, so incredible. And it's a real privilege to be able to, to work um, on this project with them. So what, what, what are the next steps? Are you, you know, often you finish one research project and you get a bright idea for the next one that lines up. Has that come about as a consequence of this work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we're hoping to be able to do an assessment of some reach and uptake of, of our um, resources as a first step um, and hope to be able to um, obtain some more funding to conduct an evaluation in the future. Something else we've done that's come from this is um, a little bit of work um, with uh, life-saving agencies, so looking at mental health in young life-saving volunteers um, you know, well, they're a different kettle of fish altogether because they're people, they actually connect with the nippers, you know, very, very young. Yeah, absolutely. And by the time they get to our, you know, 16 to 25 year old young young cohort they've um yeah been involved for years and years so um you know but still you know um experiencing some of these day-to-day difficult events and and often you know have not always been involved in in mental health research in this space so um yeah we're, we're hoping to be able to kind of continue to work in that area as well. Would, would you consider perhaps another angle following up could be focusing more on the organisational factors than the, tra than the, the trauma? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, having that more systemic, broader perspective is, is another really important um, part of this work for sure. And I think another area, I mean, I'm biased being a, a, a child psychologist, but I think, um, you know, going either, even further down the lifespan in terms of knowing that cadets can start from, you know, 11, 13 years old as well. So I think that's another avenue for, for work because, you know, even if these people aren't necessarily going out on, um, on operations, they're often hearing about some of these things potentially. And, and we know that that can impact on people on young people as well. So, yeah, that's certainly another area of interest. Always, always, you know, interesting new things to do for sure. <laughs> Rachel, you must have found this conversation pretty fascinating. What's been a key learning from you or a key takeaway from you as, as somebody who, you know, is in a sense responsible for the wellbeing program at SES? Yes, um, thanks, Susan. I think two things um, have have really stuck out for me, particularly the the I suppose appetite or um, acceptance in discussion around mental health um, and even seeking that mental health literacy, both from the organisation um, but within you know within their cohorts and and groups that they are interacting with. I think that. Um, it is that's really exciting for, for us as an organisation moving forward and um, a, 
an area of our um, people that we can tap into um, as champions. And then also, um, you know, you spoke about that, the importance of translating the work into practice. So how, um, you know, that, again, it's that real kind of um, want for something, you know, coming down from, from you know, policies, procedures into how, you know, how we do things um, within our cohorts and groups. So those um, are really key takeaways for, for us here at the State Emergency Service in Victoria. Yeah, from, from my perspective, that was so important too, because it's all very well to do the research, but, you know, show me how I can use that research, because, you know, often, you know, people in organisations, they haven't got the time or the capacity to do that translation. So it's really so important to, to do that. Um, Amanda, it's been a fascinating conversation and we obviously thank you for sharing your thoughts and insights. Um, and I know that when I first started at the Emergency Services Foundation, you know, four years ago and I was doing some research ourselves when we were speaking to young people, it really became evident that this was an area that, you know, they were yearning for some um, mm. focus. And so I'm really pleased to see that this, this work has, has happened. So thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity, Susan, to be able to share this. I really appreciate it. So if, if you want to know more about the work, um, it's been published as a report and the resources are all available on the Bushfire and National Hazards website, so you can get them from there. And thank you for listening to the Emergency Service Foundation Better Together podcast, which aims to provide you with insights about mental health and wellbeing from experts, thought leaders and people on the ground. So if you want to know more about what we do at ESF, or better still, support our work to improve mental health outcomes for Victoria's emergency workers, please go to esf.com.au. See you next time.